It's time for the Charlotte FC Podcast. what we've learned from matches 9 through 15. May I just call it the Justin Miram era? Because that is the exact amount of games when Justin came in and what we're going to be talking about. So our first segment is basically our view from the Spires. What has actually transpired? What is the trajectory of the team during these matches? Eli, welcome. What's happening? I'm in a good mood off a very good win against LA Galaxy. Bit of a late night, so happy we won that and that we didn't stay up until a very late hour to see another crushing loss. And looking forward to the two games we have this week against Columbus and Philadelphia. All right, Philadelphia, then Columbus. But yeah, definitely. You know what? You were talking about late night and that disappointment and things like that. And it kind of makes me think about the way this team has been playing is they seem to find a way, even though they might not be playing their best. Like last night, LA Galaxy match was definitely not their best game, but they found ways to do things to win, even though the Galaxy is probably having one of their worst seasons in a long time, but they're still good players and it's still difficult to play on the road. I just feel like they're at that level where they're beating those teams that they should. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think that anyone should squander at getting three points on the road, no matter if it's against a team that has no points. I mean, winning on the road is tough because the crowd is against you, and so you're going to have that force on you. You're not going to be playing in a place that you're familiar with, with soccer as opposed to like traditional American football. Pitches can range from all different sizes. That works into the advantage of the home team. They're familiar with that turf. We saw that a bit at Birmingham when the field seemed to be a bit smaller. And so the corners were like going way off from the goal, stuff like that. So I think that we shouldn't be taking this LA win lightly. I think we should be happy that we're proving that Nashville loss was, though Nashville is a really good team. We're going to lose some of them and we're back to how we are. We're like, we're going to win most of them though. And that was a tough loss, you know, a, a last minute thing. And those people who were watching the Columbus Nashville game, you saw how they could just turn it on against Columbus and they ended up winning three, one. So we know the talent that both of those teams bring. Here's some interesting stats. I just wanted to bring you as we were talking about beating those teams that you should. And then the ones you don't. In the seven matches we have played a season against teams that are above the line or in the playoff line, and we've gotten six points from them, and that equals to a 0.857 points per game. On the contrary, 
the eight games that we played against teams below the playoff line, we're at a 1.875 and we've gained 15 points. So to me, that says you're beating the teams you should beat and the teams that are the cream of the crop, you know, the ones that are in the playoff, you're not doing too bad, but you do need to step it up. You need to to level up as Latanzia was saying after the Nashville game, he's like, we got to level up. We're, we need to be level up mentally. We need to level up in the final third. Yeah, I'd just like to add a contingency into that stat real quick because, yes, that is accurate, but also I'd like to point out that when we have beaten teams, they have been above the playoff line and have since dropped. Columbus, NYCFC are two examples of that. They were like ranked like fourth or fifth, and now they're ranked like tenth. So that stat right. might be a little weighted as a po- of current standing as opposed to when we beat them. So I think it's much more even than that shows. But still, it is good that we are beating the teams we should and not just squandering games like we were a lot of the time last year. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, all the news around MLS with, with the teams, especially like Toronto and stuff going on. It's like we play a team. And I think you had a kind of a theory earlier, you know, same thing with Columbus. It's like we played Columbus when they were on this hot streak and we deflated them and they have not been the same since. Yeah, we were, it was being anticipated by, let's just say many, that Columbus was going to come in and put a thrashing on Charlotte FC. And that, as we know, was not the way it happened. And they have played shook ever since. They don't seem to be the same. Yeah, Toronto doesn't seem to be the same. They have not. Chicago is about the only one that basically we were just a blip because they have continued on with their resurgence since they made the coaching change. Let's not forget NYCFC. They were, I believe, fourth when we played them. Now they are ranked 11th in the standings. Yeah. And that's 11th in a tie between Chicago Red Bulls and Toronto, so goal differential that changed. They could be in in fourteenth. Yeah, definitely. All right. So enough of this chatter. Let's kind of talk big picture. What you know, this team. What, what about them? These last six matches. I think this really just boils down to, as we talked about before, a continuing of working the system, working it, working it, working it, and just making sure that it clicks during the game. We've heard a lot from Tonzio and the staff that they play in training amazing. Like they keep doing that whenever we see them before the game, they look really focused and really good. And then during the game, some of that just doesn't show. And I feel like we've like they've just finally clicked and know what they're doing, especially in a stretch where they've been playing a game about every three days, they've been able to hold this to a level that they're able to just keep going, keep going, keep going. They're playing as a unit. They're just massively improved. I think the extra games actually has accelerated this because you can only train so hard and so much. You have to get gameplay in there and having those players play together at that game speed. I think it's just helped everybody better with each other and this might actually segue into our next area because we want to talk about the the gallantry the badges the people i think 
think we've had some major contributions from people in different ways, even though we've had a lot of the injuries. We've had different people step up, but we've had two people come back from injuries. And I think it's no secret that these two people have had a big influence. So I want to actually, you know, in give out honors to Ashley Westwood, came back from his injury and has played in every match since starting at DC, which was was match nine, or excuse me, match ten. And then and then Justin Miram joining the club, making the acquisition in the middle of all of the the backstory with Shinshiki and Santos and all that stuff that this club has had to deal with during this time, they have actually gotten 12 points in six MLS matches, which is two points per match, which if you told me or anybody that we could get two points per match consistently over a month and then have the chance of doing that, I mean, that's close to supporter shield stats right there. Yeah. Looking back, as opposed to like, I think it was like one year in like 2018 where New England was just insanely good, had like 80 something points. The good marker is if you're above the two point line, you're up there contending for like first, second, third in the league. Right. We've been doing just amazing the past games. And like you talked about, Ashley Westwood and Justin Miram. Miram has been one of the most like impactful players on the team visually from just stats. I know a lot of the time you don't really see like on stats, you don't really see what the player accomplished, but like he's done or contributed to a scoring attempt in every game he's been in. Right. And he's, he's not a fancy one-on-one beat you player, but he's, his IQ and his ability to put balls where they need to be just shown many, many times, especially the LA Galaxy perfect corner. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. And I think that it helps that he's able to place it and know where the others are going to be. I know it's hard sometimes to gel with the team and know that if I put a corner here, one of them's going to get it and trusting to like put it in a place where it could have been easy to say, but it was up to the fact that there were other players running like, oh, I'm going to try and head this, trying to like psych the goalie out. And I think that's what happened in LA. If you rewatch that goal, like the goalie was being prepared for a header from, I believe, Kerwin Vargas. And, and Vargas drew two people, which allowed that ball to drop right in there for Carroll. Also drew the goalie's eye, meaning that he wasn't as much aware of Carroll as I think he should have been there for allowing him to score. Yeah, and I think Justin Miram's consistency and knowing as a veteran who who knows in every game you know what you're going to get, and you know everybody's going to make mistakes in the match, but you know what you're getting from him. So I think that helps that front line be a little better and more solid, even though we don't always go down his side per se. But when we do, you know, it's usually from a change in kind of attack, the point of attack to go to his side, and then we're able to create something back on the other side. You want to talk about Westwood? Yeah, I just think that, like, I think we saw this a bit in Birmingham. I prefer not to talk about that game as much as focusing on the highlights, but I think his absence, like, it's a big deal. I think he's a very stable 
like level-headed controller of the midfield and is able to just like put some sort of British like magic on our midfield that allows us to just play calm, play stronger. He like lifts up everyone on the team. And I think that's a very good thing to have of a captain and as a central midfielder to like right. have someone that's just able to with their play and with their like emotional impact, I would say on the team. Like it's just Yeah, you just feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody just seems a little bit like, oh, Westy's there. You know, like he, he can mm-hmm. have a what's interesting with him, besides his I mean, his ball placement, you know, we have several matches where, you know, NYFC game, like just perfect ball placement, you know. I don't know if, if somebody would just watch Westwood in time how much he actually has the ball. It's probably mm-hmm. very little. Like he is quick touching everything. And it's it's almost like he quick touches it, gets it to the right spot most of the time, incredibly accurately. And then he's in another spot to receive it. And it's just kind of like the flow of the the ball is moving much better with him. And it's just like he's that point of you know transition and change and stuff like that. And it just really seems to make us go better. And he's able to move from one point to another, to another, to another, and just one touch it and keep going, keep us moving forward. Right. Like how, how often do you see Ashley dribbling it? Right. Right. Do you have any, any other players over this uh, time that you want to give some honors out to? I would say just, I mean, Carol Swiderski has been like on a resurgence since he came back from Poland. I know that was a while ago, but seems like he has his confidence back and it seems like after that LA game you kind of when you rewatch it you see it's like okay yes we're trying we're trying we're trying we're trying we're like it's close enough to a chess game in the sense of like we just keep going at it and trust that eventually we're gonna get it we're not like pushing too aggressively where we're like giving up goals or something Yes, they all looked very tired in that LA game, but I think underneath that, you can still see the concept at work. And I think Carol has done really well at just like getting in positions and like trusting that at some point it's going to come to him and he's going to have a good shot. Yeah. No, definitely Carol's one that needs that confidence to play better. And however he can get it whether it's scoring goals or doing assists or, you know, some sort of things. He's he's definitely motivi- motivated by his positive play. You know, I'd love to point out Yozwiak. I mean, he has been on fire. and Unfortunately, he's been injured since the last couple of games, and that has really affected us too much, but I'm just thinking how much better we would be with him out there. Yeah, no, and that's, I mean, I don't want to say like a good thing about like this but like if you have a lot of injuries if we lose we're going to be like well we have a lot of injuries it's like come on like we can't do this with a lot of injuries then when we win we're like okay so then when they come back we're gonna just be we're just gonna off off to the races you know it's like when you have injured players but your team 
visually based on the result of the game doesn't show that you're losing key players. That shows that we have depth. That shows that we're able to win not just with like our star squad, but with mm-hmm. all of the members of the team, whoever we have in there. Definitely. Now, another key player, and I, I again, I think, you know, Latanzio's, you know, everybody was saying, oh, he wants to play all the old players. Something about people who have been there. And here's a third player I want to point out, Christian Kalina. Someone who has experience, not that Marks or or any or, or Cisnega has, has played poorly, but I don't know. There's just something about the presence of these players that has made a difference. And then if we look, where's Kalina been in these last few matches, right? When when did he come back? He came back, I think. Was it NYCFC that he came back? Yeah. It was NYCFC. So since then, the only loss is to Nashville. I mean, if you count the U.S. Open loss, but that only one MLS match. It was just a perfect storm for Birmingham, I think. Well, getting a red. So don't yeah, that's that. like half of it right there. Yeah, so like, you know, him being back there, that consistency and that kind of fieriness that, that he provides, you know, I feel like he's still got to you know, things to improve, getting better with his feet. But his reaction time and his his ability to to just muster and go after his athleticism is just unbelievable. And I think the crowd really feeds off of him and he feeds off the crowd. I mean, he gets the biggest cheers. And I think that not that Mark didn't have this, but I feel like Polina and the like four back defenders are like, they're just like working like under one brain, if that makes sense. Like I, I feel like they're in sync. I feel like they know when each other are gonna get it, when to give it to the other person. They're not like Kalina's never really caught off guard by anything the defenders are doing. And so he he feels a lot more comfortable there. Yeah. And I think it's his decision making too for going out and trying to attack balls that are crossed or centered or things like that. His positioning is really good, and that's through experience, too. Speaking of the back line, lots of changes there. We've had some really good play by Alanda. The Phoenix. We've also had a couple, you know, not so stellar performances, but luckily they didn't they didn't hurt us like they were in the beginning of the season. Alan Lindsay would say him being added to the lineup has actually even though they've been doing it with, with Harrison awful too, when Lindsay's not in there, but adding that extra element of the inverted fullback coming in as being almost another midfielder and allowing a little more difficulty on the other team to play Charlotte FC because they, now they have to deal with someone else in that kind of mid area. But Lindsay also has to run back and, and play defense, but it's kind of like we're, we're playing three on the back line. You can only do that with special players. And I think Lindsay is one of those players that Tanzio trusts to be able to, to get back and do that, but also have the offensive proudness to be able to help excel too. Yeah, we have like a flex thing where it can be three or four, depending on what the situation needs. When we're attacking, it can be three. When we're defending, it can be four. And that's a very big advantage that we can have. Are we getting close to total football? I don't know yet. I feel like. 
I don't know if Latanzia watches Ted Lasso. I mean, some things are similar to it. I feel like there might be a delay. We'll see, but I'm not sure. I would also like to point out that played for Crown Legacy over this past weekend and got some time, got some time, and when asked about it in a presser, Latanzio said that they were going to be monitoring how he was feeling, making sure that he's at the point where he can come back. It's like he says a lot, we don't want them to come back for a game and then get injured again. We want to make sure that he's at like full level. So I think that there's a very good chance that let's say by the end of June, we're seeing Karu back into the starting 11. Yeah, I mean, he made the trip out to LA. So I think that's also, you know, why would you send someone out there if you didn't think he was going to be able to get some minutes or kind of get into the gameplay? But I think also just for the culture of the team, having someone part of that regular road trip, there's a lot of stuff that happens as far as the team coming together when you're on the road, because it's like you against everybody. You're riding on your chartered things. You're going through all this transportation together. It's just you. There's no other distractions from your regular normal life, everyday life. And I think that helps the players come together. Yeah, I think so, it's I think it's good to have him kind of like be even if he's not going to be playing. I think it's good for him to like make those trips, do the training, like practice there whenever they're on the road, because I think that'll kind of get him back in. So it's not like you're just dropping them in one day. It's like he'll have been in the system. He'll have like been going, been going. And finally, once he's fully ready, put back in the game. And it's just like nothing. He's been training with them and has been training with them for months now. But just like that extra level of being one of the players to go on the road. I think we may actually see him in Columbus because we have Two matches this week, Philadelphia and Columbus. They're going to be tired after mm-hmm. already playing, you know, eight games, nine, nine games in the uh, month of May. So having those extra legs, extra people back there is going to help. But if we don't see him there, I definitely see him part of the, the squad playing in, in Seattle on the 10th. Yeah. I know a lot of people also just want to point out the back line too. Jan Sobosinski. Came in, you know, another player is like, okay, here's your chance. We have some injuries. Come in and play. He's been outstanding, you know, really good yeah, job Jan back there. Seems to be the type of player that is very, is a very defensive player. But he also has this thing where, like, I think, I don't know when this was. It might have been during Nashville or some game before that where, we just saw him like up in the box a lot, getting like multiple header attempts, getting down there. It's like he might be a defender, but he can he can make some like balls to the goal that actually result in the goalie having to like struggle to save them, which I thought was amazing. And I think it's great that anyone on our team can take a shot and make that threatening to the goalie. Right. Right. And he did have, you know. Everybody's going to have mistakes. He had a mistake in NYFC when he was trying to recover off where they were trying to hold the line, and he took the inside route and just didn't get the ball, and they ended up scoring. Luckily, the last player I want to mention is Capetti. You know, for as much as everybody complains about Enzo Capetti's antics with, you know, complaining to the refs, pouting, whatever you call it, 
he draws attention wherever he goes, whether it's positive or negative, in the fact that people are, are not understanding, he's drawing this attention, which is keeping us and, and his team being able to flow. In that match that we were super frustrated with the officiating, he, uh, he was very adamant, but at, we came out the second half, he was talked to by the coach and the players, like, hey, you need to calm down. And what do you do? He calmed down. And now, of course, that's when kind of his hamstring happened later, too. So it wasn't more of that. But I just feel like he brings a lot of attention. And I probably said, you know, the negative attention. You know, I feel like he just needs to. I think he learned after the first couple of games to kind of play through things. I think if we just see a little bit more of him kind of just mustering it out and playing through, he is one of the hardest working players out there. And I think that's what Latanzio loves about is is his grind and his ability just to keep it going at that intensity for such a long time. And he's going to score goals. The more we have players putting things in the best position for him, allowing him to play forward, I think that's just going to help us. And, you know, with Carroll's resurgence now, you know, I think that's also just a benefit for Capetti. What do you think? Yeah, I think that Chabetti has been doing amazing. I mean, he's been out, so it kind of slipped my mind. But we haven't really talked about him since Justin Miram came. And when Justin Miram came, that first home game, it was a Capetti brace. And he looked amazing in that game. And even though he hasn't scored to that level since, he's still been playing really good. And I think this is something that we talked about at the end of last season with Swiderski. But he's at the point where he's drawing defender because they're like, we can't leave this guy with just one man. Because if we leave him with just one man, that guy's going to score. So he needs to have people. And I think that's allowing him to store in some circumstances where we know we can put him in there and he'll be able to make things happen. But I think that's also using him as, I mean, decoy sounds a little like demeaning, but like, I mean, Basically, because if they're not accounting for him, he's going to score because he's such an amazing player. But if they are accounting for him, that's leaving other people in positions to score. So it's just really a win-win. And also, I think the Tonzo and just maybe just the flow of the game has allowed him to have some freedom to start playing a little bit further out. So you've seen him less in the middle and kind of just getting that ball and kind of turning. Whereas being on the left side and the right side and carrying it. So it's allowed other players to kind of follow through in that middle. All right. Talked a lot about players. We talked about a lot about the big picture. Now we're going to go to the voices from the kingdom. So we have a couple snips from going inside the French quarter before a match and talking to some fans. So here it goes. All right. What's your name? Zach. Zach, where are you from? High Point, North Carolina. All right. What's your name? My name is James. Where are you from? Um, from here originally. Ben, from Charlotte. James Vanpool, Durham, North Carolina. Live in Charlotte though. What's your name? Owen. Owen, where are you from? Uh, Charlotte. What kit is your favorite? Uh, I like the mint. The mint. Uh, the mints, 100%. The black and black and mint. Which kit? The mint one. Personally, I'd have to go with the mint one, but I got this one before that one even came out, so I might have to grab that one too. See, I'm going to go with the purple one. I forgot the name of it. Oh, the crown jewel kit. What player do you think will have the biggest impact at the end of the year? Is it Swiderski? 
Swiderski, you think? Swiderski, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Westwood, captain, played at Burnley, English Premier League lad, English lad. I think he can, he's just the best player on our team, best IQ. He's the leader. Copetti. Why Capetti? Uh, because he's still gelling with the team, and there's a reason he won the Golden Boot in Argentina, and I think he'll come through. I might have to go with Swiderski on that one. I saw Cambridge come out last game. He was playing well, so I'm going to go with Cambridge. All right. Now you're going to have 20 seconds. I want you to name as many Charlotte FC players as you can in 20 seconds. Are you ready? Go. Capetti, Swiderski, Josiak, Westwood, Carujo. He does. Um, Kalina, um, Vargas, Mello. Bronico, uh, Lucas Mora. Time's up. All right, that's pretty good. Kalina, 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 Swiderski, Kopetti, Bender, Bender, Cambridge, Cambridge. Oh my God, jeez, Yosweak, Yosweak. Damn, I'm blanking too. Uh, Scott, what's the? Oh my God, you started. Uh, Maram or Mar Maram? Dang. Man. All right, that's not bad. I think okay. you got about ten. All right, thanks, guys. All right, I got Swiderski. Can they help me? Can I get? Can I get help? Yeah, call a friend. I phoned a friend. Phone a friend. Who we got? Who you got? Who you got? Who you got? I don't know. That's all I know. That's it. Time's up, man. Kopetti, Swiderski, Mello, Gaines, Yuzwiak, Miram, Bender. Can I say Santos? Uh, <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Bronico, Jones, Westwood, um, Hegart, Lindsay, Tulioma, Melanda. Time's up. Good job. I think you got about 15. Good job. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. We always love to hear from the fans. So next time we'll be in the stadium asking some other fun questions to the kingdom find out what they're thinking about Charlotte FC. So thanks a lot and uh, be on the lookout for us. Our next section is called the Royal Archives, where we like to bring back and talk about past stuff, past history of things. But before I do that, I want to actually talk about some archives from our episodes to go back and listen to. So here's some ones I pulled up that, that I thought might be interesting that you may not have listened to. One is Dobra It's an episode where I talk about the Polish players, and we actually talk with one of the the most famous Polish national players who played for, for the U.S. team. So go back and listen to that with Jan. And then we have Painting in the Moments, Adam Phillips. You probably have seen his artwork. He's, he's kind of stepped it up this year with a lot of different backgrounds and stuff like that. But he really does this, this cool vinyl painting, uh, spray painting and stuff. This whole And we talk about his whole process and how he goes about doing that. So that's a great episode to, to go to, uh, especially if you're, you're interested in Charlotte FC stuff and, you know, kind of unique things. And look for his, his paintings. He even added, I think, this week uh, more merchandise that goes with his paintings. So not just the paintings themselves. You can get shirts, hats, other things. Also, Al Ray. Uh, you may have known or noticed that people uh, in, in the stadium, we have like certain things that happen, fireworks, the Fannie Mae down on the there, the announcers, everything that happens 
was is under the control of this kind of producer for the stadium event. Al has actually left and gone to Houston. He left after a couple weeks of the season, but um, they got a new person in his place. But I just feel like it's such a great ex- episode to learn about behind the scenes of all the stuff that happens. I also want to give a shout out. We did an episode with Caleb Adams. He's the writer for Charlotte FC content. And so you'll see articles, ingredients of the match, things like that. He recently got married, so he's been off a couple of weeks, but wanted to give a shout out to him. Great episode talking about his journey and how he got the position and then what he does. Uh, we had some incidents with officials, and that's always great to understand what goes on with the officials and looking at that. And Eli, I don't know if we checked the stats on that game to see if the official that we had, I think it was Tori, if she ended up going to the fourth referee position the following week because we had a, a double game. I guess this was a, this was our Wednesday game, but yeah. we did a whole episode talking to the the directors of officiating at pro officials are the ones who actually do MLS um, official basically in charge of, of doing that. Uh, go check out that episode. So all those kind of fun ones. I wanted to spring those back because a lot of great episodes. All right, e, what do we have in the Royal Archives as far as comparisons from things long ago compared to now? All right, so this is going to be a big one because it was exactly one year ago today that Charlotte FC played their last game under the old management of Miguel Ramirez. So basically we are starting the first birthday of the new Latanzio era. So I thought it would be a good idea to look back and see how Latanzio is coaching over a year compared to those 14 MLS games and 17 all competition games under the old management. So first thing, in our first 14 MLS games, those were the ones that Latanzio was just an assistant coach, was not the man in charge. We had five wins. in charge. What? Mar was in charge. Miguel and Hera Ramirez. Yeah. Uh, We had five wins, eight losses, one tie in MLS play, averaging 1.14 points a game in all competitions, which would be the Open Cup games that we played. We had seven wins, nine losses, one tie, averaging 1.29 points a game. Mm-hmm. So you can see the kind of like that theme there. We're not really winning to the point where we're roughly average to where we are. Now, in all of the MLS play since Latanzio has taken charge, we have 14 wins, 16 losses, and five ties, averaging 1.34 points per game now the thing with that is you might say oh well that's like just basically the same amount of more losses than wins but what you have to think about is the ties now out of five of those ties three of them have come in this season and i believe the other two were against columbus last season Um, but the ties that is a crucial thing Last year, we were just losing, even under Latanzio, we were losing games that maybe we should have been able to come back and tie. Then this year, Toronto. Like, 
we should have we were we would have lost that last year. Latanzi even said it in the presser after it was like this is progress. We would have lost last year, but time is the progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colorado, we were down by two, I believe, and then we mm-hmm. came back. Yes, it was a home game, but we salvaged something, and that is the point of that. We've salvaged something. We're able, even if we're not coming back to win, being down by two is a lot. Right. Being able to keep them at two and score two goals, that's a very big deal, and that shows the growth of our team. Now, Definitely. moving to the all competitions, because we have the Open Cup and, of course, the Chelsea game of last year that has us at 17 wins, 17 losses, and five ties, which is as neutral as you could think. I mean, that's even wins and losses and then ties. I think that's a very good margin to be at. Yes, it's not the most amazing thing, but I think we can work to make that better. And that puts an average of 1.43. So that's almost. Which is about what we are this year alone is about 1.4. So Mm -hmm. six wins, six losses, three ties. Yeah, Yeah, we are at uh, 1.4 exactly points per game. I think what you said earlier is when you were sharing this with me earlier, these stats, you said, you know, the stats don't tell everything. This is a good marker. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor and they give you you know, your cholesterol tests. It's just a test at that time. It just shows you that so you can look at this number, but there's a lot of things that go into it. So there's a lot of things that are going into why we may be better off now than when we were. What what are you thinking some things show up? I mean, I think that it's important to note that, and I'm going to say this, and I think people know this, but this year did not go up to a very good start let's say right yeah we did not play in the first three games how we would have liked Mm -hmm. and i think that if we were to take that into account and understand that in our last let's say just 12 games going off in mls play we've done considerably better and average considerably better than we have we're if we just cut out those first three games, we're an average of 1.75, which right. is pretty close to the margin of two that we were talking about earlier. And I think that that is the averaging 1.75 points per game. I think that's the level we're playing at now. And I think that's the level right. we've been playing at. And I think that right. we, we're going to continue doing that and continue to raise it until that's like those three games are like figments of the past. Definitely. I agree. I agree. Uh, so anything else from from the Royal Archives or should we shut it down? Because I know we talked about like, should we even mention goals and things like that? But really it's, how's the team playing? How are they moving forward based on where we were in this position last year? The team is playing very well as opposed to last year. I think that if you just look at the close games that we've played, I don't think you've really seen this a lot of us last year. But if we look back to when we played NYCFC about a couple weeks ago, we scored and they scored and we scored, then they scored, then we scored the winner. It was a back and forth and we were putting up the goals. We were able to respond and we weren't just getting goals out of a fluke. We were able to know, I mean... 
I think we have City Football Club's number at this point. But Mm -hmm. putting that aside, I think that we're just able to like go, go, go and get it done and continue to score until we have the winner. If they respond, we can score more. Definitely. Sounds good. All right. It's time for Royal Proclamations. We are going to be a little bit, probably the end of June is when we'll come back and do another one of these. So we got a couple matches in between. So we have Philadelphia, Columbus. Then we finally have a whole week off. Uh, We take on Seattle at home. Then we have an off or a bye week on the 17th, which we have a special episode. I'm just going to tease it. You'll really like it. We're going to do a a kind of a, I'll just leave it there. We're going to have a a unique episode with Latanzio. So just wanted to, to bring that up. And then we come back on the 24th. That's going to be Montreal and then Cincinnati at home. Right. And well, we got Red Bulls in between there for Wednesday. 21st. And just for Charlotte soccer in general, we also have the U.S. men's national team playing in the Gold Cup on July 2nd at 7 p.m. Should be an exciting match for soccer in Charlotte and hopefully something that can move the sport even further and draw more attention to the city. Definitely. Yep. All right. So what do you think going into these, you know, we probably should have checked our, our last predictions. I think we said about seven, seven to 10 points and we're, we're at 12 points from our yep. last prediction. So we definitely exceeded what we thought we were going to do. We count the Philadelphia match and then Columbus, Seattle, Red Bulls, and Montreal. What do you what do you think we do with these next five? Well, I think given that we're going to be playing two of them at home, three of them on the road, I think that I think we're only going to get one loss. I'll put it that way. I think we're only going to get one loss. Okay. I think we're going to win two of them, tie two of them, get one loss. So I would say eight points. Just because it's a tough road schedule, Philly and Columbus on the road, Red Bulls, sure, might not be the best team, but you always got to think about that. I would love to get 15 points, but I don't want to say that because then it won't happen. So I'm going to just, I'm going to be probably more realistic and I'm going to say we're going to get two wins, two ties. All right. I'm, of course, always more optimistic and positive, so that's just my nature. I think we're going to get nine points. I think we're going to have three wins, two losses. I think we get one of these this week, so either Philadelphia or Columbus. I don't know if we get both of them, but we get one. I think I'm still debating about Seattle. Red Bulls, I don't know. I just always feel like we have their number, these New York teams. And then... Maybe Montreal will cool off by the time we play them because they've been on fire lately, as as Philadelphia has been too. I don't think they've lost since middle of April. But anyway, I just I feel like we're going to get three wins, two losses, nine points. You know where does that put us? Probably still around sixth place. But you know that's stable. That's what we need until we can make it to that next level. You know maybe everybody gets back and <laughs> we start playing better because now we have more players that are playing well and playing together, you know, and less injuries. You know, if, if this is our injury time that we had to battle, I'm actually glad that it happened now and not at the end of the year. And mm-hmm. maybe there's going to be another area like this too. Who knows? 
Yeah, and I think that, like you said, if we were to win against Philadelphia and Columbus, I know that's a very hopeful thinking way of looking at it, but I think that would change a lot of stuff. Like, if I would say if we can win three straight road games, then I don't see 15 points as an outrageous thing if we're able to do that. Because then we're coming off three road games, we get a full week off, I think we could beat Seattle. Yeah. Oh, I think the momentum, like this team definitely thrives off that positive energy. Mm-hmm. That Seattle game will be unreal as far as the energy in the, in the crowd. And, and you know, it'll be like a an opening game type match just because Seattle is in tops in the West right now yeah. and in competition for the supporter shield. So that could be a, a big, big one that we're looking at. And I think that it's a huge advantage that we're playing Seattle here. I don't know if we could beat Seattle at in their home. I think that we have a really good chance to beat them here. And that's another good reason why we also are playing LAFC here. Right. Like yeah. Galaxy, and- that's a good that's a good rebound game for where we were against Nashville and Birmingham. Yeah. So just to kind of go through those, I just thought it'd be interesting. So so Philadelphia in their last five matches, win-win, draw, win, loss. Okay. I mean, we have a history of making teams that maybe are up there go down. So right. let's hope that Columbus keeps going. Loss, 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 win, draw. Right. So there's one of those losses. Three game losing streak. They play a, a midweek game against Colorado. So maybe they'll get something out of that. So they're they're not looking at five in a row, especially at home. Uh, Seattle. Their last five matches, even though they're they're up there, the, the rest of the field is kind of caught up to them. They're at win, loss, loss, win, loss. So we actually have more wins in our last five than somebody who's at the top of the supporters or near the top of the supporters' shield and top in the West. Uh, and I guess the only one that kind of is mirroring us is, is Montreal. They have three wins in their last five, just like us. And who knows, you know, the next five games where they'll be or where will we be. So we see a lot of change in MLS standings, but, you know, keeping it consistent, I think is going to be the best for Charlotte and they can get, get the wins that they need to get on the, at home and, you know, maybe muster something out on the road. That would be great. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks again for listening to Charlotte FC podcast. And this has been an episode of What Have We Learned? Matches 9 through 15. We'll be back at the end of June for another one of these to kind of recap and reset and see where the team is at that time. E, you have anything before we go? If by any chance anyone on the team is listening, good luck against Philly. Good luck against Columbus. You guys are doing good. Keep it up. All that. All right. Sounds good. Good shout out. The Charlotte FC podcast is hosted and produced by me, Nick Finelli. Audio editing and mixing by Eli Finelli. We really appreciate everyone who listens to our podcast. Please make sure you follow the podcast so you get it in your favorite platform's feed. We are on Twitter and Instagram at CLTFC Podcast. And you can visit our webpage to listen and learn more at charlottefcpodcast.com.